Thank you for joining us on the Crossroads Church podcast. We are so excited to have you as part of our family. We're a community where people are welcomed home, built up, and sent out. Our prayer is for you to find meaningful relationship and belonging with both God and His people. We'd love to connect with you. Download the Crossroads Church app, follow us on Facebook or Instagram, or simply send us an email at info at mycrossroads.co. We pray that as you hear this message, you encounter Jesus and all that he has in store for you. Good morning, everybody. And I want to thank you. And I want to give a special welcome to those who are watching online around the country and around the world, too. Thank you for being part of the Crossroads family. I also want to say, whoa, I almost want to say, too, th- uh, you know, welcome back for those of you that have been gone for a while to, for COVID or whatever, and welcome back, and welcome especially also to those who are here for the very first time. I hope that's not the last time. Hope you feel welcome, and I hope you feel blessed as, as well. Also, want to say hey to all the, the Pfeiffer students as you sc- have scattered to the wind and everything. I hope you're, uh, you're being blessed wherever you are right now, and especially to those who've graduated. God bless you guys. Uh, you know, we are, uh, you know, we just sang the song a few minutes ago. We sang Amazing Grace. And for 250 years, that, that song has, uh, has blessed people. Uh, the, the former slave trader, John Newton, wrote that song. And, and he talked about a, a blindness that isn't, that isn't a physical blindness. He said, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found was, what? Blind. But now I, I see. He's talking about a, a non-physical blindness that, that, that so many people have. In fact, we have, if we're really honest with that, that we're blind to certain things. In fact, Jesus said, that talked about in Matthew 13, 13, that there's people who, who see, but they don't really see. They see, but they don't perceive. They see, but they don't, they don't get it. And uh, in the, in the, uh, also Paul said this in 2 Corinthians. He said, the God of this age, who's the God of this age? He's Satan, and he says this, the God of this age has blinded the mind of unbelievers. So I mean, sometimes when you look around at your friends, the coworkers, and you, and you see people that, that have never given their life to Christ, and sometimes you just go, how do you not get this? I mean, we give everything to him, all of our problems, all of our sin, and we get his, his joy, his power, his forgiveness. What's wrong with this equation? And, and, and they don't get it, and we realize that the God of this world has blinded the mind of unbelievers so they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. And even though we may have physical sight, there's some things that we don't see. There's things that, that we are, are blind to, and there's things that we are, uh, that we are blinded by. And I just uh, noted some of those. Some of the things that we are blind to would be this. Sometimes we're blind to God. We're blind to God's work in our life. We're blind to what God wants to do in our life. We're blind to, to God's grace and how much he loves us. We're, we're blind to the purpose of, of life, what life is really about. And we're blind to, to God's purpose for us. What does he want for us? What's the calling that we have? Sometimes so many people, even though people that they've given their life to Christ, are blind to God's call and God's purpose for their life. So, so far too often, we're blind to the needs of others. or We're blind to the very world around us. And we can also be blinded by things, can't we? 
We can be blinded by ambition. We can be blinded by pride. We can be blinded by, by, by hatred. We can be blinded by prejudice or racism. We can be blinded by success. We can be blinded by materialism. We can be blinded by self-centeredness. In other words, we need a spiritual ophthalmologist to, to get at us and, and, and heal our, our, our eyes, our spiritual eyes, our emotional eyes. And you know, there was, we're going to take a look this week and next week about uh, a person who was born blind that God, that God heals. Next week, we're going to be talking about spit a lot, okay? And it's kind of, and, and just amazing things that God is able to do, even with something like that. But uh, the story starts with John chapter 9, and it says this, as he, talking about Jesus, went along, he saw a man blind from birth. He saw a man. We don't even know what the guy's name is, right? We don't even know the name of this person, and, and there's so many times that happens in the, in the Word of God, but I think there's a reason here why he's not named. He, he represents every single person hearing my voice right now. And he was blind from birth, okay? So I want you to do something. If you could close your eyes for a moment. Close your eyes, and I want you to think of a loved one. Just picture them. Picture a friend. Picture a dog. Picture a sunset. Picture a butterfly. Picture a flower. Picture a smile. And then think about this, that that person could never picture any of those things. Because if God forbid we ever lose our sight, we'd be able to go back and picture those things. But he has nothing to grab hold of. He has nothing but blackness, darkness, his whole, his whole life. He has nothing. He cannot picture anything because he's never seen anything. But here's the thing. You can open your eyes now. And uh, think of this, that, that Jesus saw him. The Bible says Jesus saw him. And, and what that's probably saying is the disciples or so many other people didn't really see him. I mean, you ever, you ever seen something and you didn't really see it? You see something and you walk by it? But Jesus saw the man. And I want you to know that Jesus, hear this, Jesus sees you right now. Wherever you are, whatever you're going through, whatever your problem is, whatever your blindness is, whatever your struggle is, whatever your hurt is, whatever your pain is, whatever is causing the broken heart, God sees you and God cares about you wherever you, wherever you are. And here's the, the disciples, listen to this. The disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? All the disciples see when they see this man is they see a theological issue. Or, and, and here's what that is. For them in that culture, don't miss this, sin or sickness equaled sin. That was the equation that they knew. Struggle equaled sin. Heartache equaled sin problems suffering equals sin that's the only thing they could go with in fact think about this that 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 they never said hey was this involved with sin didn't ask that question they they, they assumed that it was because of sin the only issue they had was was the was the were the parents bad or was this guy bad that's the only place they could go uh, with that but jesus said it's not anything to do with uh, with that in fact, he said, most people, look at this, most people consider our struggle or our problem or suffering, it's either karma or kingdom. Karma or kingdom. Now, karma would say this, bad things happen to bad people. Good things happen to good people. So if anything bad ever happens to you, what kind of person are you? 
And see where that, where that goes? And here's the really bad thing with, with that mindset is a lot of Eastern religions, almost every one of them, have that, have karma as their, as their immediate go-to if somebody is suffering. And the real struggle with that is, is this, that, that they, may, they, can't, they can't be compassionate. They can't be caring. They can't be loving towards somebody who is hurting because that person is working out their, their karma problem, right? Their karma issue, they're working that out, and, and the reason they're suffering is because of that. So, so think about this. this think about how, how stinky this worldview is because you can't even help that person because it would be an injustice to them. You can't love that person. You can't care about them in the middle of their struggle because they're working out their karma and it would be a struggle for them. But think about this. They're not the only ones that have that mindset. We struggle in our culture. We struggle with that mindset as, as well. I want you to think, how many times, honestly, has something happened to somebody, and especially if one thing after the other, after the other, that you've ever thought, I wonder that, what that person did to deserve that. Isn't that weird where we go there sometimes? That's a karma mindset, and, and Jesus is nailing that right now. And most people also, um, the possible problems, where, where does sin come from, or not sin, where does suffering come from? Where does that come from? Where, where, why do we have that in the world? And one issue, one problem is because of, of bad choices or because of sin, right? That is a, 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 prop, a possibility, because think about this, if I were to ask you the question, how many of you have ever had problems in your life, ever heartache, ever struggle because of you making bad decisions or because of, you know, of doing, you know, doing something wrong and it came back on you? If I asked that question, every single hand would go up here and those who are watching online because we've all dealt with that. We've all dealt with things in our, in our life that, that sometimes maybe it's, it's you made a, you know, a bad choice in finances and it cost you. It's, it's brought problems in your life. Maybe you made bad relationship uh, decisions and that has cost you in your life. Maybe it's because you, you were angry and you, you lost a job or you, or you had an affair and you lost a marriage. There's times that we have, we have struggled in our life because of decisions that we have made. But the other thing is, but that's not this guy's issue, right? I mean, this guy, that is not issue because he was blind from birth. I can't imagine him doing anything so horrendous in his, in the, his mom's womb that, uh, that, he would, you know, that, that he was actually blinded from birth there. It wasn't his issue. But Jesus did say this last week. We took a look at this. He said, go uh, now, leave your life of sin or something worse may happen to you. So some of the problems in life that we struggle with are because of decisions we've made and actions that we've taken. But also sometimes things have happened in our life, pain, problem, struggle, because of somebody else's decision, because of somebody else's actions, right? I mean, I, when I was growing up, my brother was a cocaine addict. And anybody who is, has grown up with an alcoholic in the family or a, a drug addict in the family knows the hell, there's no other word for it, hell that that brings on, on the whole family, not just on that person, but the whole family. Some of you have been abused physically. Some of you have been abused sexually. 
Some of you have been abused emotionally. And that person's issues, that person's stupidity has caused you pain and has caused you suffering despite anything outside of anything that you have ever, ever done. I mean, my, one of my closest friends growing up in high school, his, his wife left and had an affair. And I watched his brokenness. I walked him through that brokenness. And then I, uh, just recently in the last few weeks, a, a, a member of my family has, uh, has gone through, through that, that uh, the husband abandoned her and had an affair with a, with a younger, younger lady. And I watched the pain and the suffering that, that brings. Sometimes, you know, you take a look at the Holocaust and you have millions of people who, who suffered and died because of somebody else's stupidity that happens in this, in this world. Another thing is because we live in a fallen world, right? I mean, before Adam and Eve blew it, things were completely different. I mean, it did not, when they sinned in the garden, it did not just affect them. It affected all of us. We have been paying for that since then. The world is different. There was no, there was no suffering before the, the fall. There, was no, there were no weeds. There were no thorns. There was no pain in childbirth. There was no sin. There was no, there was no earthquakes. There were no, no tornadoes. There were no natural disasters in any way before that. It was like that issue made everything collapse. I remember one time I was riding a riding lawnmower at the first church. We had a parsonage, and, and I'm riding along, and there's all this space over here, but, but one thing is over there as well. And I watched this rock, thunk, go out of there, and I watched, it looked like slow motion. All this thing, there's one car, my car. And what do you think? What do you think it hit? And have you ever been there where you just watch something go and you want to go, no, no, and just grab the thing? But could not do that. And, and I watched it just go in slow motion, just thunk, about, a, about 100, 200 feet away, 100 feet away, boom. And it didn't just, you know, I thought it would just make a hole in the windshield, but it didn't, did it? It went tunk, 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 and that's what Adam and Eve's choice did. All the whole world is different. But here's the great news. It's not going to always be that way. For those of us who are Christians, there's going to come a time where God changes everything back to the way it was supposed to be. And there will be no more suffering, there will be no more pain, no more tears, no more struggle, no more problems. And I praise God for that. Another thing, another reason is because of demonic attack. Listen to what Jesus said. Listen to who he attributed this lady's uh, issue with. It says, one day, one Sabbath day, don't miss that, as Jesus was teaching in a synagogue, he saw a woman who had been crippled, don't miss this, by an evil spirit. She had been bent double for 18 years and was unable to stand up. And Jesus heals her, and then the Pharisees, because he healed on the Sabbath, once again gives her, him a hard time, and listen to his response. It says, this dear woman, I love that, dear woman, a daughter of Abraham, has been held in bondage by Satan for 18 years. Isn't it right that she be released even on the Sabbath? And think about who he's attributing this pain and suffering that this lady's been going to for 18 years. Satan, demonic act, activity. Now, Jesus does not attribute uh, that to every time. Every time there's a person sick, he doesn't attribute to that, but sometimes he does. In fact, Jesus said this. He said that, uh, that the thief, talking about Satan, comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And that means that anytime you see pain, suffering, heartache, anything like that, he's got his grubby hands in it. There are satanic fingerprints over any time we feel pain and suffering or go through a, through a hard time. 
And so, but here's the thing. You and I can usually tell the difference, can't we? Between just having one of those days. You know, having an off day, getting on the wrong side of the bed. Things happen at work. Things happen at school. And you, we can tell the difference between that and when we are being attacked, right? And there's just times that you just go, man, Satan is after my family. Satan is after my marriage. Satan is after my children. Satan is after my job. And I mean, there's that thing where you just go, I know this isn't just happening, that we're under a satanic attack. And you pray for it like that. You go after it like that. You attack that in the name of Jesus Christ. And here's another one. There's things that happen because the person is good. There's things that happen to us even not because we're bad, but because we're, we're good. The poster child for that would be, would be Job. You think about him, he all of a sudden, he loved God. In fact, that I'm not saying this about him. God said about this, he was blameless. I mean, this guy was, this guy was the man spiritually. And all of a sudden, Satan, because of that, goes after him. Satan goes after his family. And in one day, everybody but his wife dies. All of his children, boom, like that at one time. Can you imagine that? And then another thing, he lost, his, he lost all his enormous wealth in one day. And then he had also physical things that started going on. He had boils. And his, his so-called friends gather around. And remember, they have the mindset, the karma mindset, that you must have really done something bad to, to, to have this happen. They're totally wrong, but that's where they go. And they're saying, come on, just confess it. Obviously, you've blown it. Obviously, you've done something horrific, or all these things wouldn't be happening to you, the karma mindset. Well, God comes in afterwards at the end of the story, and first he rebukes these so-called friends. And he goes, you have no idea what you're talking about. You guys are totally wrong. In fact, I'm going to have Job pray for you in order to, to, for there to be forgiveness because you guys really don't even get it. And then he, he restored Job double what he had before. Double the family, double the wealth, everything. But the point is, Satan went after him, not because he's bad, but because he's good. And the, the super poster child for this is Jesus. Never did a thing wrong. Perfect. And yet, think of the pain and suffering and everything he went through. Sometimes we go through pain and, uh, and, and suffering because we are good, not because we're doing things wrong. And uh, another thing is just because we don't know. Listen to this. Who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor? Not me. And probably not you either. And there's people who come to me sometimes as a pastor and say, why did my child leave? Why am I struggling so much in my marriage? Why is this? Why is this? And I'll be honest, I don't know. Sometimes I do. Sometimes it's obvious. But there's other times I don't know. And that's the thing. When we don't know, we still do this. We, we do know this. We do know that God, if we are following God, if we are going after God, that God will work all things together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Even in the midst of not knowing a thing and being totally confused, we can rest in the promise that God's gonna work it out for our good. And listen to what Jesus said. Neither this man nor his parents sinned. This is not a sin issue, said Jesus. But this happened, and this is blowing them away because they can't, they can't go there. They, they're in a karma mindset. But this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. In other words, Jesus is saying, this isn't karma, this is kingdom. I'm gonna work this out. I'm gonna work this for, for good. Now, now God, will, God does not cause suffering. He does not cause pain. But boy, does he use it, right? I mean, think about how many times God has used something, some, some pain in your life to get your attention. Didn't cause it, 
but he has used that to bring your attention, to wake you up, to draw closer to him, to hold on to him, to pray like you never prayed, to, to press into God like you've never pressed into, uh, into God. And so it's not his, his, his pun, I mean, his problem is not a punishment, it's a possibility of what God can do there. So how can we glorify God? Because that's what he's saying. How can we glorify God in the midst of our struggle? That's a big question, right? One way is this, that we repent. If we're doing something wrong, we repent of that. We give glory to God in that way. And I thought of there's a, a young man that was in my first, uh, first, or I guess my second youth group. And uh, he was 18 years old, but I let him come to youth group anyway because he was really, he's a cool guy. And he was dating somebody in, my, in the youth group. And, and he was in 82nd Airborne. And so one time, you know, I would talk to him about the Lord, and he, the one thing, good guy, but he just like, yeah, 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 Lord, yeah, Jesus, yeah, 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 yeah. Didn't want anything to do with it. And so one time, he jumped out of the airplane, and his tension cord did not, did not pull. So he, so he pulls the reserve, and it's stuck on his helmet. And he pulled it again, and he, and he let it out, and they said he, it, it blossomed about, a, uh, about 150 feet up. It slowed him down just enough not to kill him. He lands on his back. The air is knocked out of him. His commanding officer comes up to him and says, get on your feet, troop. All the, all the mercy of the military. Get on your feet, troop. He said right then he made up cuss words that he didn't even know. He said he strung out a list that was just, that was, that was just you know, poetry of how, how many cuss words he could come up with at one time. And then he came up to me the very next day and said, I'll never forget it. Lowell, I'm... I'm, I'm I'm ready. <laughs> and Ricky ended up having the Hades literally scared out of him. And he gave his life to Jesus Christ. And he is now, to this day, a pastor. And I love that. Amen. <clears throat> Another thing is, is that it can be a testimony to believers. I can't tell you how many times people like you, people in here who have struggled who've gone through things, who have, who have persevered through that, how much you have inspired my faith, how much your faith, because there's people going on, there's, there's people that, that are in this room that are, that are struggling with cancer, and your faith has been absolutely incredible to me, how you've persevered, how you've taken the stand, how you've pressed into uh, to God. There's people who have gone through, going through, through struggles in their life, and I, I know one young lady that's, that she's, that she's been abandoned that's, that was in the last service and, and her faith is incredible to me because she's just pressed into God and pressed into God and there's other people I could talk about in here that just that, that, your, that your perseverance that your, and I don't mean you haven't hurt I don't mean you haven't cried I haven't mean you, you're not doing things like that but I'm saying in the midst of this you've had hope in the midst of this you've been incredible and you've inspired my faith you know, I've been part of something called the Lead Academy for several years, and, and there's a, they, they, were, they handpicked a, a handful of pastors to take them to, to different places. It didn't cost us a, a penny, and they take us to some of the best churches, not only in the country, but in the world. And I can't tell you how many times I've been inspired by, by the things these, this, these men and women have done and how God has used them. But there's something else that probably inspired me maybe more, and this sounds crazy, but it maybe inspired me more, is how they got through the struggles of their life. When a ministry fell apart, how they kept going. When, when one of them, their, their son committed suicide, and they kept going. When one of them had, from the greatest time, where they just launched a new church, the, the church building, and that night his wife said, bye-bye, 
And this is the people that, how they have gone through the tough times inspired me more than how they made it through when everything, when all, everything was rainbows and, and sunshine and unicorns, right? And there was one time where I was asked to be on a, uh, be the the speaker at a, at a pastor's conference. And and I remember they, they asked me to do that because everything was going, going up and to the right and everything was, the, the church was exploding with, with growth and everything. And I remember, I remember talking there and giving the, giving a message there. But then I remember a couple years later when I, when a struggle was going on in, in my life and, and, and things. And, and I remember they asked me to speak again at, at their pastor, knowing this, asking me to speak, how are you making it through? And it's kind of wild because, because probably the way of, of, th- of this, of how am I making it through, I bet there was 10 times the response of when everything was going great. I mean, things where people would come up and they'd say, hey, how, you know, how are you guys doing this? And it's great what's happening at the church and everything. And, and, but here, they were going, how are you making it? How are you getting to the other side? How are you doing this? I can't tell you how many pastors have reached out to me because of that, because sometimes we just realize that as we take a stand in our faith, as we take a stand in the struggle, it is ministering to people. It is witnessing to people. It is encouraging people. It is challenging people in their faith as, uh, as well. Another thing, it can be a witness to, to non-believers. People are watching you. If they know you're a Christian, people are watching you how you, how you live. How you, especially how you go through the tough times of life. They're watching you. They're watching you. How do you go through the struggles? How do you go through the hardships? And they're seeing, here's the question. Is your God real? Is your God big enough to help you through this? And it may not be right at that moment. And again, that does not mean you have to be fake. That does not mean you can't cry. That doesn't mean you can't struggle and say, I am hurting right here. But, but when they see your stand and they see your perseverance, and there can come a time where they're going this, that I remember back when that person did that and when they're struggling through it, when they're going through a struggle, they remember how you did that and you have no idea how many people you are leading to Christ, how many people you are, you are, 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 are witnessing to when you don't even know it. You know, the word witness is, real, the word martyr in the Bible is the word witness. It literally means that. And think about how many times people tried to kill Christians, especially early on, and they were, Christ- they were killing them, they were putting them to lion, they were crucifying them, they were, they, were, they were lighting their torches with Christians and doing horrible things like this. And they thought that this would destroy the church, but instead of it destroying the church, it exploded the church. It exploded the church and it grew like crazy. Why? Because it, the, these people are seeing as the Christians are going to their death, or going to be tortured, they saw a faith, they saw a purpose, they saw something, they said, I don't have that purpose in my life, I don't have that, instead of it killing the church, it exploded the church, a man, an early church father, been by the name of Tertullian, said the blood of the, of the Christians is the seed of the, uh, of the church, there was one time, uh, uh, this is a true story about, I don't know if you know this, there are more Christians right now that are dying for the faith than at any time in world history, I want you to think about that. More Christians dying for their faith right now. And it seems like in the last few months, it has escalated, okay? It seems like, and right now, like, like uh, the, the church in China is an underground church. The people are meeting, and they, they have to risk their life to, to meet like, uh, like this. And so, and some of them are being tortured and killed because of their faith. And there was one time a few years ago when, uh, when uh, they went to a house church and they, they, they got in there and they said, if you do not deny your faith right now, and they had a picture of Jesus, if you do not spit on this and deny your faith, we are going to kill you right now. 
And the first couple people, that's exactly what they did. They, they denied their faith. They spit on the face of Jesus, and they, they, they walked over here to safety. But there was a young girl. She was only a teenager. And, and she, she took her sleeve, and she wiped the spit off the face of Jesus. And she goes, I don't care what you do to me. I will never deny the one who died for me. And these people were so, the, the executioners were, were so taken back by that that by her faith, that they killed the two or three people that had denied their faith, and they bowed their name to Jesus Christ, bowed their knee to Jesus. And so he, we can be a witness when we, ever, when we don't even know it. It's also an opportunity for ministry. Listen to this. All praise to the God and Father of our Master, Jesus the Messiah, Father of all mercy, God of all healing counsel. Don't miss this. He said he comes alongside when we go through hard times. And before you know it, he brings us alongside someone else who is going through hard times so that we can be there for them, that person, just as God was there for, for us. When we've gone through pain and heartache and struggle, it makes us better equipped to minister to others. I hate going through pain. I hate going through struggle. I hate going through hardship. But I believe that it's made me a better pastor, a better minister, hopefully a better preacher because of the pain I've gone through. I can relate in different ways. And here's the thing I want you to, to know, that if you've ever had a miscarriage, if you've ever lost a child, you are in a unique position to minister to other people who have gone through that. If you are, are a cancer survivor, you are in a unique position to help others and encourage other people who are in the middle of that, that battle. If you have gone through a divorce, if you've gone through a separation, if you've gone through a, you know, what, an, an abandonment, if you've gone through abuse, you are uniquely qualified to reach other people in a way that you would not be if you had not gone, gone through that. It's incredible that God, God is so good. He can use your stupidity and my stupidity to minister to other people. He can use the things that, that where you've blown it and things. We have people, the people who do the ministry into our, to, to alcoholics and to drug addicts are the people who have gone through that. They are uniquely qualified to minister to those people because, because they've gone through that, even because of their own problem. They are able, God is able to, to use that to bless, other, to bless other people. And because of this, you can go from sympathy to empathy. And there's a big difference. What's the difference between sympathy and empathy? Sympathy is you care because you're a human being. And you see something. You see a person going through a struggle. Maybe, maybe you read about a tsunami or you see that or, or you see people starving to death. And you can't relate to that. Most people can't relate to that. But because you're a human being, your heart goes out to them and there's compassion in there and you care about what that person has gone through. And maybe your friend is going through one of the things I just talked about. And you can't relate to that because you haven't been through that. But as a human being, you care. You care that your friend is hurting and that is sympathy. But there's something, empathy takes it to a totally different level. That's when you've been through the same thing that they've been through, or they've been this, through the same thing you've been through. Now, when somebody asks you this question, when somebody asks you or says this to you, I know how you feel, I know just how you feel, and they've never been through what you've been through, what do you think? I mean, you probably think, sometimes you could get mad, but hopefully you think, Man, thank you for caring, and thank you for thank you for for trying to understand, and thank you for that. And I, I you know, I appreciate that. But really, you don't know how I feel because you haven't been through that. But if that person has been through what you've been through, you go, you go, wow, 
that person knows what I feel like. They've been there, and they can, you have a comrade, and there's a person that, you, that looks you in the eye and says, says you're going to make it to the other side. I made it to the other side. I've been through this too, and you're, you're going to make it to the other side. And then when you make it to the other side, you're able to look that person, another person in the eye and say, I know how you feel, and you're going to make it to the other side. You're going to take, God's going to take care of you no matter what happens. And here's something else just in closing is this. Maybe, maybe we should ask instead of why, God, why is all this happening? Maybe we should ask what? God, what do you, how? What do you, how do you want me to use the pain that I've gone through? How do you want me to leverage the brokenness that I've had in my heart? How do you want me to leverage that pain or the sickness in order for your, for your glory? There's a, a lady who's in our church that has gone through a really tough time, and she tells this story. And after this story, we're going to sing, and I want you to know the altar's going to be open, and maybe you just want to say thank you for all the times God has gotten you through as well. Or maybe you come in the brokenness and ask God to heal, to strengthen, whatever it is, or use you to minister to other people. They literally had to sign the form, you know, that said this is a procedure we don't do on children because this is such a rare thing. We don't we don't do this. Um, so we signed the form and they basically said this was the only thing they could do to try to save his life. Talk, talk me through how that, how that morning started. Um, a normal morning, like any other, and we were just hanging out. Um, he was actually petting our cat on the end of the couch and playing with her. And that's when he rolled off and just fell flat on his back. So his head and his back just hit the floor. He cried like normal, didn't black out. Um, but of course I was concerned. Um, so just put him down for a nap. He just was really uneasy. So I got him up out of bed and thought he needed to get checked out because as we were walking down the stairs, he got sick to his stomach. Um, my first thought was a concussion because I know that can happen. So we called EMS and they came out and checked him out thoroughly and said he was okay. So they told us to go to the pediatrician and they did a thorough checkup, said he was okay, just to monitor him overnight. And then the next morning when we woke up, his balance was off. He couldn't crawl, he couldn't walk. So we took him straight to Levine's. They still didn't really know what was going on with him. Um, even after several hours, he still just was uneasy, just upset. They knew something was wrong, but they didn't know what. You almost don't have the feelings. Uh, it's hard to explain. You almost feel a little cut off. You know, I was just holding him the entire time in the hospital bed, just praying over him and just knowing that whatever was going on, because even at the time, I didn't know what was happening. I knew he'd fallen, but again, off the couch. Um, not a big trauma. You're just wondering what could possibly be wrong. They had wrapped him in a swaddling blanket um, to get his IV in just to keep him calm. So we were both very hot. <laughs> so that's when um, when they got the IV in, I got up out of bed with him, unwrapped him, and I put him on my shoulder. And when I put him on my shoulder is actually when we figured he could not move that side. Like he wasn't even grasping onto my body anymore. And so the nurses immediately went to get the doctor. And literally doctors are coming off of hallways. Um, it's just as soon as they knew, it was, it was quick. So they got him a CT scan with contrast. And that's when they found that he had a clot. So yeah, we went from hours of like you asked, just how do you feel? Um, in that waiting, not really knowing, to this is what's happening and there is no time. Um, 
I just remember he was in an operating room and they basically just said, just kiss him, hug him. <laughs> when you don't know if they're still gonna be there. You know, they couldn't tell us anything. They just, they literally had to sign the form, you know, that said, this is a procedure we don't do on children because this is such a rare thing. We don't, we don't do this. Um, so we signed the form and they basically said this was the only thing they could do to try to save his life. Um, so he was in there about two hours and I just remember falling on the floor and just reaching out to God and just praying. And I remember just two hours just seemed like eternity, just waiting. And when the doctor came back, he had done really well. Um, they were not able to completely remove the clock because he was so little. Um, but they were pretty certain whenever he, you know, got into the ICU that the medications would kind of help resolve the rest of the clot. So he was in ICU um, about three nights. And every night, um, it did seem to get a little better. They would come and do checks. They would pinch his fingers and toes just to see if there was any movement. And like I said, every day, there was just a little bit more. You could see he just didn't like it. <laughs> they would pinch him and he would retract. Um, and by the third night, he, was, he had full movement back in his arm. So <laughs> I just I remember by the end of it, we were there a total of a week. Um, all the nurses and doctors that would come and check, they were just in amazement. Um, for one, this happened to him, but two, by the time we left, we didn't even have to have um, physical therapy, um, occupational therapy. <laughs> we didn't have to have any kind of therapy. Um, and they had already set all this up for us to have after we had left the hospital. And we literally left and never had to have any of it. I mean, he was like literally running on the hospital floor, <laughs> like playing with toys. And we were just completely in amazement. Even seeing him now, like playing and you know that everything's good, he's healed. Man, there's still moments like I'll be rocking him in my chair and it'll just hit me, like how precious. And like you just asked about, you know, where you found God in that moment. <laughs> literally, even now, I just think about how precious our life is. Like seriously, when you go back to like the moment we take a breath on this earth is a miracle. Literally every day that we can breathe, it's a miracle. So, you know, thinking about that moment, especially when the doctor told me, you know, he's gonna be okay. Now he might have some issues and we're gonna work through that. But just knowing that he was <laughs> gonna be okay. You know, in my mind, I remember thinking like, I can deal with any kind of disability. I can deal with anything like, Lord, please, like, just let me have my son. Um, so it was just really just talking. I was talking to him the whole time I was in the hospital. And that's, it's like he was right beside me as a friend more than, than anything else. I just felt like I could just say what I needed to say and that he was there. And I just, I just knew he was going to be okay. So. <laughs> Thanks again for listening to the Crossroads Podcast. Check back with us weekly to hear more messages. We hope you have a blessed day.